0: Good morning. It is a great day to be in the house of the Lord with you this morning. I believe that the Lord is going to do amazing things today in this service. He's going to bring restoration, emotional healing, and supply blessings for your life today. The story we'll be reading was placed on my heart last year. I felt like the Lord spoke to me last year. If I was ever to share in church... That I would want to share the story we're going to be reading from today. And I want to thank Miss Jackie for listening to the Holy Spirit this morning and praying for me. And it was confirmation that the Lord, he's going to do something today in our midst. If you bow your heads with me in prayer. Dear Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for your wonderful sacrifice on the cross, Jesus. I thank you that you care for us. You love us. You seek out our lives, God. You love us so much that you really gave yourself away. And I ask, Lord... That you would draw your people unto you. That you would draw the lost sheep, Lord. I pray that we would hear your voice clearly. I ask that you would anoint my words, Lord. I ask that you would anoint the service, Lord. I ask that the anointing of the Holy Spirit would be present and evident in our midst this morning. And I ask, Lord, that you'd bless us and you continue to do amazing things here in Lighthouse. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles or your Bible apps, I ask that you swipe, tap, or turn to the book of 2 Samuel. We are going to be reading from Second Samuel chapter 4, verse 4, and then we're going to be reading from Second Samuel chapter 9. I will be reading from the New Living Translation, known as the NLT. And as you are finding your place, I will give some brief context to our passages today. King Saul and his son Jonathan, they die in battle. They're fighting. And upon hearing this, David laments for the king and his best friend. Eventually, David is anointed as the king over Judah, while Saul's son, his other son, Ishbosheth, was proclaimed king of Israel. Out of fear of David's military strength, some men kill Ishbosheth, the king of Israel, to show loyalty to David. David, we all kind of understand the heart of David. David has the heart of God. David is a man after God's own heart. So when he hears this news, he's devastated. When King Saul was in battle, he was fatally wounded. There's no hope for him. So there was a man who actually finished the job. And this guy went and told David, he's like, your enemy Saul's dead. Yeah. And David, what the heck, man? Why'd you do that? Why'd you touch the Lord's anointed? So he has that guy killed. And then these guys, they're like, oh, we're going to take care of David's other enemy, Ishbosheth," And David's, why'd you do that? Now you got to die too. So those guys, they're kaputs. King Saul only has one remaining descendant, and this passage we'll be reading is the narrative of this descendant, and his name is Mephibosheth. Second Samuel chapter four, verse four provides a flashback. Saul's son Jonathan had a son named Mephibosheth. He was crippled as a child. He was five years old when the report came from Jezreel that Saul and Jonathan had been killed in battle. When the child's nurse heard the news, she picked him up and fled. But as she hurried away, she dropped him, and he became crippled. Our first main point, Mephibosheth was dropped, and he became crippled. Talk about a terrible, no good, bad day. This innocent five-year-old little boy, he lost his grandfather, his father, and his ability to walk. This was not Mephibosheth's fault. This was Mephibosheth's decision. This wasn't anything that he brought upon himself. He was in danger because of his family heritage. He was part of Saul's family, the king of Israel, and he was a potential heir to the throne. Mephibosheth did not choose for his fraternal relatives to enter this battle. He definitely did not choose to be crippled. It was custom in that day for entire family lines to be destroyed to prevent any potential enemies or potential uprisings to a new leader. So if a political power took over, they would kill all of the family of the former leaders so that there would be no potential uprisings, no new enemies to the throne. In this way, when the nurse rushed, she was protecting Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth would have been hunted down, but she dropped him as she was fleeing, and he became crippled. Imagine the lasting effects on his life. Growing up without a father, without close relatives, in hiding, in physical pain, his life was never the same. He could no longer run and play with the other children. He was probably mocked and looked down upon. His original destiny was to be a king, to lead a nation, to live a life of luxury, and to serve a people. But now he lives in shame shame poverty at another man's house in a town known as Lodabar. King David previously made a promise to his friend Jonathan. Our story progresses. Now David is the king of united Israel, and after successful military campaigns, he's finally at peace. He's finally able to attend to the affairs of Israel, his kingdom. 2nd Samuel chapter 9 verse 1 says, one day, David asked, is anyone in Saul's family still alive? Anyone to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? David had promised Jonathan years prior in 1 Samuel chapter 20, verses 14 through 15, to show unfailing kindness, like the Lord's kindness, to him, this is Jonathan, and his family, even till David's enemies are defeated. David is finally at peace, and our second main point, he remembers his promise to Jonathan. David seeks to fulfill his promise to his best friend, and we continue in verse 2. He summoned a man named Ziba, who had been one of Saul's servants. Are you Ziba? the king asked. Yes, sir, I am, Ziba replied. The king then asked him, Is anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, I want to show kindness to them. Ziba replied, yes, one of Jonathan's sons is still alive. He is crippled in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. King David acted upon his promise. He sought for anyone who might know of any remaining descendants of Jonathan. I can imagine King David wearing his heart on his sleeve. We all know King David was kind of the Not moody type, but he would have been the heartthrob. I could picture him playing his harp and having all the love ballads and all that kind of stuff. (laughs) He was desperate to fulfill his promise. David said, is anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, I want to show kindness to them. By today's standards, we would assume that David would have hated Saul's guts. He tried to murder him multiple times. But David was a man after God's own heart. He had a deeper reverence for God, Saul, and Saul's position than the things that happened to him. Let me repeat that again. David was a man after God's own heart. He had a deeper reverence for God, Saul, and Saul's position than the things that Saul did to him. It was his choice, maybe even his honor, to show God's kindness to any of Saul's potential relatives. David continually sought out Mephibosheth by asking where he was. Continuing in verse 4, In Lodabar, Ziba told him, at the home of Maker, son of Amiel. So David sent for him and brought him from Maker's home. Now Mephibosheth, he lives in a town known as Lodabar. Just like how cities' names today, like Philadelphia, is the city of brotherly love, this city, its name also tied in with its meaning. Lo, in the original Hebrew means no, and Debar means word or pasture. Basically, this is saying there's no word. This was a derogatory name. So this town, its name was looked down upon. It was derogatory. If you lived there, you'd be made fun of. You'd be mocked. You'd kind of be hated. Because this lacks enlightenment, and it shows stupidity. That's what the original name means. It means stupid. Imagine going from, you're the king's grandson, the future heir of Israel. You're on the run. You lose the ability to walk. You lose the ability to provide for yourself, to care for yourself, to grow, to flourish. And you live in poverty, at the lowest of the low, where there's not enough to provide for you, that would be a devastating turn of events. Crippled Mephibosheth lives in the lowliest community, stuck in his place of brokenness. He was stuck. He was crippled. He couldn't do anything. When David showed God's kindness, Mephibosheth's life was altered again. When he came to David, he bowed low to the ground in deep respect. So King David, he brings Mephibosheth to him. And David says, greetings, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth replied, I am your servant. Don't be afraid, David said. As we talked about before, Mephibosheth had a reason to be afraid. He should have been killed because of his family line. But powerful King David does something that would have been unthinkable to his contemporaries. He says, I intend to show kindness to you because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will eat here with me at the king's table. This next section, this sentence coming up, it really breaks my heart to think about How broken people are, how broken we are as individuals, how the things in our past affect us, how we put the things that have happened to us in the past, and that becomes our identity. This is really sad. Mephibosheth bowed respectively and exclaimed, Who is your servant that you should sow such kindness to a dead dog like me? we just got to sit there for a second. Who is your servant that you should show such kindness to a dead dog like me? David restored Mephibosheth's family possessions. Then the king summoned Saul's servant Ziba and said, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him to produce food for your master's household. But Mephibosheth, Your master's grandson will eat here at my table. Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Ziba replied, Yes, my lord the king, I am your servant, and I will do what you commanded. Imagine an estate large enough for 36 people, 36, to work full-time tending an amazing, sprawling acres. I bet there was probably a palace, an amazing house. There's farmland. All of this and more was provided to Mephibosheth. David's act of kindness brought Mephibosheth from the lowest of lows, the dead dog, to a place of prosperity and security. And from that time on, Mephibosheth ate regularly at David's table, like one of the king's own sons. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah. From then on, all of the members of Ziba's household were Mephibosheth's servants. And Mephibosheth, who was crippled in both feet, lived in Jerusalem and ate regularly at the king's table. David restored Mephibosheth to a place of high honor for any individual. This would be like the president inviting you and he's saying, Rodney, you come with me. We're going to the White House. I don't know where they eat in the White House but we're making you some steak. We got the best food. We got chefs who work around the clock. Everything is provided for you, and I want you to come eat here every single day. That would be pretty great, right? Yes, sir. You would be eating with the president. I mean, who wouldn't want to eat with the president? That would be pretty cool. This morning, we can apply Mephibosheth's story to our lives. What is crippling you? Like Mephibosheth, there are things that happen in our lives that deeply hurt us. They even cripple us. But sometimes, they're not even our fault. I bet there's some of you guys, you might be in your 50s and 60s, and you still remember the mean words that kids said to you on the bus. There might be some of you, your boss puts you down, maybe your husband or wife puts you down. You might have a physical illness in your body. You might have a mental illness in your body. You might have come from a broken family, divorced parents. You might have gone through a divorce. You might have family issues in your past. You might be experiencing fear or intimidation. Sometimes our actions, mostly sin, cripples our spiritual growth and our emotional health. What hinders your growth? Take a moment and think about what are some things that's happened in your past? What are some things that hinder your growth? What are some things that hold you back from fulfilling God's destiny for you? It's a good thing that God does not forget his word. I'm here to tell you that we have a new king. We have a descendant of King David, but he far surpasses any earthly king. God promised thousands of years ago, probably all the way back to, I'm pretty sure it's Genesis 3 was the first reference to God's rescue plan. God promised thousands of years ago to show kindness. And to anoint a new king, the son of David, the king of kings, and lord of lords. He doesn't forget what he says about you. He remembers his promise. Jesus seeks you out. He seeks all of us out. Even though we are crippled, we are broken, we are impoverished, we are dead dogs, the dregs of society, and in the pit of life. His kindness restores us. Jesus Christ lived on this side of heaven 2,000 years ago, and he died on the cross for you and for me. He rose again from the grave to restore us to a right relationship with God and to give us victory in life. This does not mean that we forget the difficulty and hurts we have experienced. At the end of our story, Mephibosheth, he was still crippled. He wasn't physically healed. He still had those memories of losing his family, living in poverty, being looked down upon, being made fun of. But like Mephibosheth, we can learn from our past hurts, failures, and disabilities to live a new life in Jesus Christ. I'm going to read a couple verses about what God says about you, who you are in Christ, what kind of life you can have, when you accept Jesus Christ in your heart and when you live in relation with Him. Ephesians 2 6, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. 2 Timothy 1 7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Deuteronomy 28 13, the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. If you pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God that I give you this day and carefully follow them, you will always be at the top, never at the bottom. John 10.10, 10. this is Jesus talking. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. 2 Corinthians 3.17, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, There is freedom. Psalms 1, 1 through 3. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields fruit in its season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Originally last year, I thought the direction I was thinking with this story was we've been dropped and then we've dropped others. But then after going through the story and thinking about it, the best thing that I can share with you is how Jesus loves you. The best thing that I can share is the good news that Jesus came so that you can have life. King David can't save you. King David can't give you wealth or status. Jesus, he can take you from the lowest of low. He can take you from the place of brokenness that has been in your heart. Don't let that become your identity. Your identity is found in Jesus Christ and his work on the cross. Give God the hurts. Give God the areas of your life that cripple you. Give them over to him and allow him to bless you. Allow him to take that from you.